0: I invite you to turn with me now to uh, Genesis chapter 4 and we'll uh, learn from, from Genesis 4, the, the seedling uh, as we come to it um, and Hebrews 11. Let me just read Hebrews 11 verse 4 just to remind us we're talking about Abel By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did By faith He was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. And last week, we looked at the first three verses of Hebrews 11, didn't we? And we reminded that Hebrews was written to maybe this particular group of Jewish Christians who are tempted to to go with the flow and give up on their faith, perhaps, to go back to their old ways where they would be more accepted because they wouldn't be at the threat of execution or the threat of of being martyred for their faith. But faith is much more than a belief. It is about action too. What I believe about God is shown in what I do. So last week we looked at what is faith in in verse 1, that it gives Christians, people who trust in Jesus, a certain hope of a future. We sang the, the splendor of the king clothed in majesty where we will see Jesus in all of his glory. That in Christ we have a a new life to look forward to. And that impacts everything. Everything as Christians that we do. Faith impacts everything because it is founded in God's word. And then we learned last week in verse 3 that it gives us understanding of the universe. The philosophers, the scientists spend years, their whole careers trying to figure out creation. yet God's word tells us it was God himself. And we know that through faith. And as we approach Hebrews 11, now we're into the characters of these Hall of Famers. The first man is Abel, the first person to die, the first person to be murdered, the first person to be murdered for his faith or murdered, and not the last person to be murdered for his faith. I'm not sure if you saw the new guy in J.C. Sturks the last couple of weeks. He was working really, really hard. He was stacking the shelves really quite efficiently. But the boss said, look, you're not, you're, yeah, you're doing okay, but you look, it could be better. He's like, out oh, of the office, not that happy at all. Worked twice as hard, so he, he did far more than anybody else on the shop floor this particular Saturday morning. And the boss again was like, look, you're not doing a good job. And the leaf lads raged What does he expect from me? What should I do? What does he want from me? And the boss said, well, you can suck the shells, but it's not a good idea to take the stock out of the trolleys as you do that. And sometimes we ask God that question. What God do you expect from me? What God do you want from me? And, well, the short answer is faith. But as we were saying, we're coming back to the heart of worship. It's about our hearts as well. And the story of Cain and Abel is about worship, about true and false worship. So we're going to look at the story in Genesis 4, and we're going to use those three by-faiths in Hebrews 11, verse 4, uh, to guide us on our way. So our first point this evening is Abel's better sacrifice. And we turn to Genesis 4 for that. So Genesis 1 and 2, we've been... Uh, reminded or we have recorded for us the creation of the universe of the world in chapter three of the the fall where Adam and Eve have sinned against God and then in chapter four in verse really one and two Eve is experiencing some of those curses from the fall already she'll have experienced the pain of childbirth and we meet, meet Cain and Abel Cain sounds like to get or to acquire Abel meaning or sounding like breath perhaps a hint of what's going to happen later on. So what do we know about these two men? Well, uh, we know that they were uh, looked after animals in the land. Cain was a farmer. He toiled over the ground. He worked the ground. And Abel was, well, probably a shepherd or someone who looked after livestock. And what we glean is that some point along the way, before we reach verse 3, that God has told them in some way or made it known to them that they should perform a sacrifice and that is what they should do they should perform a sacrifice from the labors of their hand so in verses 3 to 5 we have the, the, the sacrifice happening before us Cain he brings some fruits of the soil as an offering Abel he brings fat portions from some of the firstborn both brought sacrifices but the the last half of verse 4 and 5 tells us that God gazed on Abel's sacrifice he looked on favor, on Abel's sacrifice, but Cain, he didn't gaze at Cain's sacrifice. So Cain were told as angry and downcast. So why does the Lord gaze at Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? Because both bring sacrifices, but Abel's is accepted, Cain's is not. The common question is why? What's the difference between Abel and Cain? Does God prefer lamb rather than veg? I don't think so. I think it was faith. Abel had faith. He was genuine in his performing of the sacrifice. His heart, Abel's heart, was in it. The difference is not what they offered, but what was in their heart. John Calvin says this about the sacrifices. Abel's sacrifice was preferred to his brother's For no other reason than it was sanctified by faith. For surely the fat of brute animals did not smell so sweetly that it could by its over pacify God. It's not as though God prefers a meat feast of a barbecue rather than char-grilled veg. Abel had faith. It was genuine, his sacrifice. His heart was truly in it when he was performing and bringing it before God. So though their sacrifices were different, it was their hearts that truly showed the difference. It's Abel's sacrifice. We get a hint of his heart being in it a little bit more because he offers, you see that, the firstborn of his animals, the, the fat portions from those lambs. Abel gave priority to God, and he gave his best to God. Abel trusted that God would provide more lambs whatever the case might have been, for him. Even if he was going to give away what he had first, he trusted that God was going to continue to provide. Cain, he didn't. What does Cain give? He just brings some of the fruit of the soil. In other words, just what he was willing to give, or just what he fancied giving. By faith, Abel offered the more excellent sacrifice. The difference between the sacrifice in Cain and Abel was not animal or vegetable, but heart and faith. Abel's heart was in it. So, in this worship experience of Cain and Abel, we see very clear acceptance of Abel's rejection of Cain's. And, well, when it comes to our worship, God doesn't just want the action, He wants our hearts. He is ready to judge acts of worship as acceptable or not. We must worship in faith. We just don't turn up and go through the motions as we are often tempted to do. Cain gave, and he did give. He did do what he was told in some way, but he was rejected. Abel was accepted. He was obedient. He was devoted. He was genuine. His heart was in it. You might hear people say if they quit a job or uh, they, they leave a place of work or they change jobs that their heart just wasn't in it anymore. They lose a passion for something. My heart's just not in it anymore. Worshipping by faith means that our heart is in it. Not just going through the motions, but our heart must be in it. Worshipping by faith means our hearts are in it. I think we can know and show if our hearts are in it or not. Abel showed by worshiping in faith, by doing two things, by putting the Lord first and giving the Lord his best. And for us, Jesus needs to be first. Jesus needs to be number one in our life. Abel's demonstrated his sacrifice that the Lord was first because he gave the first fruits and just did it to give something, we need to be able to say the Lord is first in my life. Is that the case? Because if the Lord is first in our lives, then that will be reflected in how I spend my life, that the Lord will be first in my family. Jesus will be first in my relationships. What I do with my finances, whatever happens in my life, Jesus is first and how I live and what my job is or how I perform in my job, what I do in my job. Putting the Lord in everything, first in everything, Monday through to Sunday. Not just when we're met here for two and a half hours on a Sunday, but when we're out there beyond the gates. Not just when we're doing churchy things, turning up the BB for one hour or youth club two hours every month. But whenever we're dealing with our clients or our pupils or our teachers during the week or our neighbors on the street or as we walk in the shop, Jesus must be first in absolutely everything in my life, in my family, in my time, with my money. Let's press that a little. Is Jesus really first? See, there's a point for each of us that will say, yes, Jesus is first, but only up to there maybe push me past that barrier, Jesus won't be first anymore. We would get defensive about it. We don't want to talk about it because we are resisting God's call, God's command to be putting Jesus first. So Jesus needs to be first, and Jesus should have our best. Abel gives the best. This is firstborn. Cain brings just Whatever. Abel's offering is accepted because it is the best. It represented what was most costly to him. And he shows his love for God above all else because of this gift, this costly gift. Whereas Cain's giving what he doesn't really need. He held back the first and best for himself. But we need to give Jesus our best. What do we offer God? Do we offer God just whatever we really like, when it suits us? Or do we give God the first and best of us? God will not have anything less than the best of what I can offer, or what you can offer in worship. Compare that to, I suppose I better turn up and make a sacrifice here. Cain thinks. Do we offer our best? Are we holding back for ourselves rather than giving to God in some way? whether that is our time, our money, our relationships we have, or our devotion to God rather than to other things. Does God get our best when we just turn up doing the right thing and going home again? Or, in the human eyes, being seen to be doing the right thing to get in the car and head home again? Our devotion to God must be done in faith. It is a really good thing to be here and corporate worship is part of the Christian life and walk to meet on a Sunday morning and evening. But doesn't it become really tempting for us that worship becomes routine and regular rather than devoted and heart-full where we turn up and don't put much thought into it? We need to work hard to make sure that our hearts and our minds are in the right place. need to be focusing on jesus and worship him in spirit and in truth and the first four lines of genesis a few verses of genesis 4 to show us this that although abel's giving what is good and what is best putting the lord first cain is not abel's given his best work he's putting the lord first cain his heart is not wholly devoted to the lord Cain is holding back. Cain is not putting the Lord first. Cain is not uh, giving his best. He is showing a lack of faith. What are we are learning, surely, from these first few verses, that how we worship has to be done with our hearts. It must be done in faith, having a heart devoted to Jesus. Because this act of worship by Cain is not seen by God as an act of worship because it's not done in faith. Our devotion to God must be done in faith. Our worship must be done in faith to Jesus or in Jesus. Okay, secondly, by uh, by faith, in Hebrews 11, is Abel's commended as righteous. Abel's commended as righteous. Through Abel's worship and the fact his sacrifice is accepted, we can conclude that he was righteous, Abel was righteous. But what we see on the flip side is very clearly is that Cain is not righteous. Isn't that right? In verse verse 7 particularly, it tells us that Cain in some way doesn't do what was right. So in this first example of these men of faith the list, Abel is commended as righteous for doing what God has told him to do. For listening and obeying God's words. By contrast, Cain he turns his back, he ignores God's instruction and making up his own way how to approach God. We also know that Cain is not righteous in verse five too, don't we? His response to it all is to be angry and downcast. But God God is gentle, God tells him there's a way out here, it's to do what is right, but Cain chooses the way of destruction. But although Cain was not righteous, it would appear that he was righteous, wouldn't it? He did give a sacrifice after all. He did turn up to church every Sunday morning and evening for all of his days. He did go to the right things. He appeared to be righteous. Right from the beginning of Genesis 4, not long after the fall, God is drawing our attention to what fallen humans might think, isn't he? Works can make us look impressive to make others think that we believe God is important to us, but our hearts really reveal what we think about God. And there's an element in which that we appear at times to be righteous. How do we appear to be righteous when we're not? Well, it is Sunday worship. It is serving in some way. It's doing the right thing, saying the right thing. How do you appear to be righteous to others? What goes on in your heart that makes you think, I hope they think I am righteous? Is it your service? Is it letting people know what you've been doing during the week? Is it your reputation? We were looking at John 3 yesterday with Nicodemus. He probably, like many others, relied on his uh, religious knowledge, his reputation, his riches. Are you relying on those things? Because generally those things go hand in hand with Christianity in Northern Ireland. How was Abel commended? wasn't commended because of his good calves or his good lambs. Abel was commended righteous because of his faith. Abel came to the Lord in faith, whereas Cain did not. In 1 John 3, uh, verse 11 and 12, we read that we should love one another. And then it goes on to say, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because it is his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So John in the, in the New Testament tells us that Abel... Came in faith to offer the sacrifice that Abel was a righteous man, and that Cain's heart is clearly not right with the Lord. And God warns Cain of this sin in verse 7, doesn't he? That sin is uh, crouching at his door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Sin is crouched and ready to pounce. It's like you know, Tom and Jerry, the cartoon, where Tom's crouched, ready to, to jump on Jerry the mouse, but then uh, he jumps into the wall or something. That's, that's sin. It's ready, crouched, ready to pounce on us, ready to grab us, to devour us. And God tells Cain to master it. Master your sin, this anger, before it spirals out of control. But even as we read Genesis 4 and see Cain's sin escalating, We see God's patience and mercy in coming to speak to Cain to begin with. Master your anger before it gets out of control. Cain, master your anger before you murder. What sin do you need to master? Is it your lusting? Get a hold of it before it spirals out of control into sexual immorality and adult rape. Is it like Cain and its anger? Well, get a hold of it before you lose control of your tongue and ruin a relationship. Is it coveting, longing after other things? Get a hold of it before you steal other things or make it your God. Sin is crouching, and it is waiting to pounce on you. It is waiting to pounce, and it will lead you to even greater danger that we are already in all of the scripture, particularly Habakkuk, teaches us that the righteous shall live by faith. Abel was commended because he lived by faith. He presented his offering, his sacrifice in faith. Cain was evil because he did not master sin. He did what was wrong in the eyes of God. No matter if they might have appeared to be impressive or obedient actions, Cain's heart wasn't in it. We need to have faith in God when we do work for God. As we live our lives, we need to have faith in that. Because like Cain is told to master our sin, as we might try to master our sin, we will all fail in this regard, but take heart because while only Christ masters sin, we are only righteous by faith in Jesus. Abel is righteous by faith, and we too are only righteous by faith in Jesus. Only Christ can master our sin. Only Christ avoided the temptations and lived perfectly. Jesus mastered sin on the cross. He mastered it for us. Then finally, our third, by faith, Abel's voice is still heard i not sure you've seen like a, a murder mystery as it be a fil- film documentary or something like Columbo, but there might be uh, occasionally uh, a scenario or a, a script which has uh, an old little lady, Miss May, and she is known for being cr- incredibly eccentric and she loves a bit of theatre. So instead of writing down her will, she decides to record her will on a tape. And they gather you know, the closest family and maybe a neighbor all into the room, the lawyer, and they play the tape. And it will say that uh, your, your nephew, John, well, he's getting the, the, the corgis or the, the grand, grandniece, uh, Emma. She's going to get all the, the library books in the house. And then maybe there'll be something coded or a riddle at the end that there is this incredibly precious Jewel or treasure and it's given in a riddle and he ever finds it, keeps it. And then they go off and they try and figure out what is going on and they're listening to a dead person talking that's going to keep them all right for all of their days because the worth of this jewel is going to be able to keep them. And well, Abel, we're told in Hebrews 4, still speaks. He's a dead man talking why is he a dead man talking well? In Genesis 4:10, we see that God hears Abel and says, your, blood, "Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground." Abel's blood that is spilt by Cain is crying out to God. It cries out. Even though he is dead, he still speaks. Just a, a reminder for us that, well, our reward's not on earth, despite how obedient we are, but it is going to be uh, longer term as eternity awaits for us. But Abel's blood cries out from the ground. In response to the bloodshed, you see uh, in verses 12 to, to 16 that God will curse Cain. He's going to, in verse 12, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you he will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And then he's in verse 15, he puts a mark on Cain's head so that everyone will be able to identify him and know not to kill him. He is going to... Cain's going to be a restless wanderer. He's going to be traveling from place to place. He could go to the most fertile field or townland, land, but when he works the ground, when he spends his time, hours, days, weeks, months, Working the ground, there will be no crops. He will be the world's worst farmer because God will not allow anything to grow. Abel's blood cries out judgment on Cain, doesn't it? Cain has killed his brother and God is going to punish him for it. But in Abel's blood, we have a sermon in itself, don't we, that Abel's faith in worship and service and faith in God's word is in the everlasting records of Scripture. Because we read it in Hebrews eleven four. that even though he's dead, he still speaks even today. And because he still speaks even today, faith is an eternal witness. Faith is an eternal witness. Abel's faith has meant that everyone will talk about him until the new heavens and the new earth. His death, is there maybe the first indication of that curse in Genesis 3 about uh, offspring being against one another, the offspring of woman and of, the, of Satan? Abel's name is always going to be known because it is written in the book of life. And in trusting Jesus by faith, our name is there too. Faith is an eternal witness because Jesus will speak on our behalf. As God speaks to Cain, Jesus will speak on our behalf. And in fact, in Hebrews 12, verse 24, so in Genesis 4, we read that Abel's blood has cried out. In Hebrews 12, we're told that Jesus' blood cries out for us. In verse 24, it says, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, uh, and to the, the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood, it cried out for vengeance, for judgment. But Jesus' blood shouts that we are forgiven. Jesus' sprinkled blood is a better word than able because it is forgiveness rather than judgment. It says you and I are forgiven. Whenever we fail to put the Lord first, whenever we fail to give the Lord our best, when we turn up on a Sunday and we don't feel like worshiping God and our hearts quite aren't in it, in Jesus you and I are forgiven. Jesus' blood cries out for us, even though we shouldn't deserve it and don't deserve it. It cries out blessing and not bondage and damnation. In Genesis 4, we kind of like to think of ourselves as able, maybe, worshiping the right way. But in reality, we're all like Cain. We're all cursed. We all are hostile to God, alienated from God, all deserve to be wandering away with no good thing or no blessing from God. Yet Abel's death just foreshadows the blood of Jesus. A better word for us. And although we are sinners, we are forgiven. Abel's blood exposes Cain's sin, exposes Cain's wretchedness, his brokenness. And Jesus' blood, it covers our sin, our wretchedness all up. The blood Jesus spills cleans us. We are forgiven by faith in Jesus, and Jesus' blood cries out. As we've worked through our second look at Hebrews 11 and verse 4, this faith book, we are trying to learn to live by faith. We are learning to live by faith as we worship God with genuine hearts with faithful hearts. We are learning to live by faith in Jesus because only Jesus makes us righteous. Only Jesus' blood cries out for us on our behalf. Only Jesus cleanses us. And because Jesus has done it, we have an eternal witness. That fact that we have hope and certainty of that eternity, that Christ is our witness because we trust Him. And as we live by faith, giving God our best, Having him as number one, we should be having faithful worship because it will leave an enduring witness because Jesus' blood cries out for us.